Support for this podcast is provided by Smart Recruiters, the hiring success company. Smart Recruiters offers enterprise-grade recruiting software designed for hiring success. Move beyond applicant tracking with a modern platform that provides everything you need to attract, select and hire the best talent. From candidate relationship management to programmatic job advertising, recruitment marketing, collaborative hiring and embedded artificial intelligence. Experience a talent acquisition suite with intuitive user experience that candidates, hiring managers and recruiters all love. Leading brands like Bosch, IKEA, LinkedIn and Visa use smart recruiters to future-proof talent acquisition and expand their businesses globally. Visit smartrecruiters.com to find out how you can achieve hiring success as well. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi everyone, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 256 of the Recruiting Future podcast. A significant issue which I see time and time again is the disconnect between what CEOs say they want from talent acquisition and what actually gets delivered. Why does this disconnect happen and what can talent acquisition leaders do to fix it? To help answer this vitally important question, I'm delighted to welcome Jerome Turnick, CEO of Smart Recruiters, back to the show. Jerome has recently written a book on hiring success, which is aimed at CEOs and illustrates what they need to do to compete for the best talent. Hi, Jerome, and welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Matt. Always a pleasure to have you on the show. For people who may not know you, could you just introduce yourself and tell us what you do? Sure. My name is Jerome Turning, and I'm the founder and CEO of Smart Recruiters, uh, the enterprise talent acquisition suite. French, as you can hear, based out of San Francisco and um, trying to make hiring easy for businesses around the world. Fantastic stuff. So we're recording this interview early April. 2020. So obviously, it's very important that we talk about what's happening now in the world in the middle of the the pandemic crisis, but also talk about the longer term. So just start with the right now. What are you seeing happening in the market at the moment? You know, we're seeing um, um, two, two uh, two main trends in TA. Um, And um, first of all, the entire market, I think, right now is reacting well to protect their employees and protect um, their um, the lives of families um, and uh, the lives of their contractors. And I and I think this is remarkable to see um, what's uh, what's happening there. I'm really proud of the initiatives that are being launched left and right to protect uh, and minimize the impact as much as possible. From a TA perspective. Um, I think the world divides in two camps right now, freeze or frenzy. Um, About 20% of uh, the world, or if so, is in a hiring frenzy. Um, They're in delivery. They're in uh, um, some forms of retail, essential retail. um, They're obviously in healthcare, uh, and they're in a hiring frenzy. Uh, the other 80% of TA leaders are in a hiring freeze or in a very slow um, slow hiring mode. 
Uh, and I think while the, the ones in hiring frenzy do what they do best, which is hire as many people as quickly as we can, um, the other 80% uh, that's sitting at home uh, on a hiring freeze or a, a near hiring freeze are thinking, okay, how, how am I going to actually use this time? Um, to uh, support my community, to support my team, uh, and to come out of this crisis stronger uh, than uh, than we come in. So we actually are seeing a really good amount of initiatives coming up. Um, you know, we uh, just this last Friday we signed a, a large retailer, hundred thousand employees, and I, I, the conversation with them, and said, "I would, are you guys still good to go?" And the TA leader there said, "Look." All our stores are closed. So if we don't use this opportunity to uh, actually uh, upgrade our ATS and revamp our practices, uh, we'd be foolish. Uh, and I think that's a really good uh, good way to look at it, right? Now is actually not a bad time uh, to look at uh, at your team, to upskill your team, to upskill your technology, um, and to make sure you come out of this uh, of this crisis uh, on the bright side, better than we came in. As a CEO yourself, tell us more about how you're managing your organization during the crisis. How has it sort of changed the the, the things that you that, that you're doing? What are you what are you doing to sort of get the company through to the other side we um so we we reacted fairly fast about three weeks ago um and uh, we defined a three-point action plan which um, was one uh, protect our business and that obviously started with our employees um, and uh, we put all our employees at home we made sure everybody has the right equipment this is fairly easy because we're a tech business right so everybody's laptop based so that kind of got without disruption um, we kept every employee engaged we launched a smart cafe which is actually a virtual zoom room where there's um, happenings 24-5 um, uh, actually so every day we have uh, at least 10 different events happening there are some cute like you know show up with your baby or your pet and uh, some more businessy like uh, come for the uh, uh, for the town hall or come to learn about this new product or we have customers coming to talk to us we have partners so the smart cafe is kind of being uh, um, uh, uniting us very early on I pledged to uh, actually yeah, three weeks ago I pledged to uh, make no layoffs in smart recruiters so I said we're all going to stick to this together um, and uh, I obviously stand by uh, by that uh, commitment so p making sure that the business runs that our customers are keeping the service we'll uh, send a nice letter to customers explaining everything's going fine we haven't had any service disruption the second part was uh, unite our customers and i think in in at times of crisis, it is really important to understand how are you actually going to be there and step up for your customers. And so beyond reassuring them that we were um, going to keep service uh, uh, unaffected, uh, we went ahead and so launched a number in, of initiatives to unite our customers. So we launched regional user groups, um, uh, Zoom-based user groups, like we have like 30 of them going on. Uh, we launched a free certification classes. Um, so normally getting certified, uh, like admin certified on smart recruiters is quite an endeavor. It's like a thousand dollar course over two days. You get a certificate, like a diploma. And so, you know, then you can actually uh, be a, a pro at, at the technology. So we're actually launching these courses for free, uh, but they're still instructor led, long time, long, good commitment. And we're getting like, as soon as we open a new date, the, 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 uh, the registration just max out. So we've, I think we'll end up certified 
identifying several hundred people uh, during this uh, this uh, four or five weeks, six weeks uh, of uh, confinement, which is nice. And then we launched the uh, uh, hiring success masterclass. Um, so putting out um, the uh, the whole hiring success methodology in masterclass uh, for recruiters. So really giving uh, giving back. Um, and uh, and we also help on redeployment. So uh, um, we're launching a redeployment platform, like turnkey redeployment platform, to help people uh, uh, bring employees that are either being laid off or that are uh, in uh, in restructuring, and help them find uh, opportunities inside the organization or actually opportunities across different organization. Um, so this uh, this is coming out now, um, and it really helps customers uh, customers uh, minimize the impact of restructuring so you protect our business unite our customers and the third one was um, really uh, step up in the market as as leaders um, as a leader in the market and so um, we've uh, we've donated our technology to several initiatives recruiters for good in the Netherlands jobs for Lebanon we have a similar initiative going on in Australia like platforms for emergency jobs relief um, and we're actually working on a um, uh, a job matching service that would help anyone who's been laid off being automatically matched and referred into any of our customers' job. Because I think as a, as a business whose mission is to uh, uh, connect people to jobs at scale, um, we do have to step up. So the whole 300 plus um, Smartians, that's how we call the people at Smart Recruiters uh, and our thousand enterprise customers are really uh, uh, united, focused, stepping up to minimize the impact of, uh, uh, of this crisis and come out on the other side stronger. I mean, that's all fantastic stuff. Um, and, and it's really interesting because I think the very first time I met you was back in 2012 and we did a, a, a video interview in, in, in San Francisco and you were talking about the, the, the company was all in one small room then and you were talking about the vision was all about connecting job seekers with, with, with recruiters. How has that vision developed over time? I mean, it sounds like it's you know, very much sort of the core of what, you, of, what, of what you do. I mean, how has your sort of vision and, and, and mission developed over the last few years? You know, I I had the benefit of starting Smart Recruiters in twenty uh, late 2010, 2011, um, having done uh, 10 years of an ATS before, right? So I founded Mr. Ted um, back in uh, 2000 over in London. Um, and for, for 10 years, I was selling applicant tracking systems to large enterprises, right? Until I really realized that ATSs aren't making hiring easier, right? If you think, what do you need to make a good hire, right? Well, you need to attract great candidates. Then you need to choose the right one. And as a TA function, you need to stay organized with, uh, with uh, all of your data and processes in one place. And so, like, okay, does my ATS help me find candidates? No, right? It was never designed for that. Do managers use it every day uh, uh, to collaborate with me to select the right person? Absolutely not. Managers don't do that. And as a result, are my recruiters happy and productive? Absolutely not. So when I started Smart Recruiter, I was like, okay, let's, let me take a blank sheet of paper uh, and really design in an ideal world, what, what would an enterprise need to achieve hiring success? Uh, what would an enterprise need to actually acquire amazing talent on demand, which when you think about it is what the CEO wants, right? Every CEO in the world says, you know, I want to hire the best people in the market, but then they don't really know how to execute uh, around this. And so my vision around hiring success really 
uh, and the, the core pillars of hiring success has been uh, very in- intact from day one. We spent the first five years of uh, of smart recruiters in pure R&D mode. Um, so 210 to 215, we were in R&D, 40 engineers and me basically was the team. Um, and, uh, uh, and in January 15, we launched our enterprise platform. And since then, we've had over a hundred, over a thousand enterprises, uh, large enterprises, the likes of Bosch or IKEA or Anglo American, Publicis, um, uh, even LinkedIn actually uh, uses us uh, to manage their own recruiting. Uh, sign up to smart recruiters, and really, where we make the difference is we give you everything you need to attract great candidates. So it's a whole slew of uh, um, marketing, CRM, advertising, job sites, excellent candidate experience. So how you attract candidates, we solve that problem. Two, we made it super easy and enjoyable for managers to be part of that process and to collaborate with recruiters. We completely flipped on its head uh, the relationship between recruiters and managers so they are not no really a team working towards making the right hiring decision. And three, we made sure that uh, we can give recruiters all of their data processes uh, in one place on a global scale. Um, so we've pre-integrated 400 vendors into the platform. We've localized the platform in like 40 different languages. We're all compliant and everything. So at the end of the day, customers who use smart recruiters end up having a good way to find candidates, good collaboration with the managers um, to pick the right one and recruiters that actually for the first time have have like an operating system, right? Have their first thing. And more, more than anything, if you can achieve that, then this is the best way to connect people to jobs. So uh, hiring success has become the phrase that you and, 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 and your company is best known for. You've kind of recently written a book about that. W- why did you write the book? Who's aimed at and what's it actually about? Yeah, I wrote uh, I wrote the book, published it um, about five weeks ago now, six weeks ago, um, and uh, really what's what struck me is the the gap uh, between CEOs who do want to hire the best people in their industry and TA leaders who are being measured on faster and cheaper time to field cost per hire. So we're actually squeezing. Um, recruiting, underfunding recruiting, while 80% of CEOs put hiring top talent as their number one priority. 85% of Fortune 500 believe they don't hire great people. And so I was like, what is wrong here? And actually, I think what is, what is wrong is we're witnessing a natural evolution of recruiting. The traditional staffing function that became recruiting, that became talent acquisition. Actually, I think of it as a hiring success, the hiring success function. And I think if we fast forward a few years, the head of recruiting in an organization will be a AVP or an SVP of hiring success, whose job it is to hire amazing talent on demand for the organization. And that person will get funded uh, with a marketing-like budget because you invest in recruiting to acquire great candidates, just like you invest in marketing to get um, to get more customers. And I wanted to write this for the CEOs, for the C-suite, say, oh, Mr. CEO, you want to, or, or Madam CEO, you want to hire an amazing, amazing talent on demand? Well, this is how you do it. Start by funding your recruiting team and think of it as a sales and marketing um, function. And so in the book, I outline um, the new metrics, the new strategies, uh, the new approach to actually uh, achieve hiring success. And, and digging into that just a, a little bit, a little bit deeper, I mean, 
obviously hiring success is it's it's fairly complex, simple to understand, but perhaps complex in terms of execution. What do you think the most important element elements of it are for employers to to focus on or, or to focus on to focus on first? I think first we have to change the metrics. We have to change the measures for as long as cost per hire and time to fill faster and cheaper uh, are your measures of success. Then you're, it's going to be very difficult to uh, uh, to drive change. Um, and so we've uh, um, we've designed with with many tier leaders actually across our customer base uh, and and around the world, in fact, um, a new uh, hiring success scorecard. Uh, which has three uh, three metrics: um, a time, uh, a quality, and a cost metric. Right, which is the core of how you can measure any function. Uh, and we measure uh, cost as a hiring budget, um, which is the total cost of recruiting divided by new year salary. And so you end up with a percentage: five percent of my new year sa- new higher salary I invest in recruiting. The interest of that is if you come to me and you say, hey, uh, Mr. CEO Jerome, uh, my cost per hire is 3,252. I'm like, why do I care, right? Like, it doesn't mean anything to me. And no no TA leader has ever been to a management meeting saying, next year, I think we should double our cost per hire, right? Whereas as a CEO, I'd say, well, actually, why not? What's in it for me? If if I actually invest more in recruiting, do I get better candidates? Do I get them faster? Like what's what's in it for me? And so measuring it as a percentage of new hire salary is really interesting as a, compared to a cost per hire because you can compare across departments, you can compare across organizations. So hiring budget number one. Number two, um, we killed the time to fill and we replaced it uh, with a hiring velocity. Hiring velocity being the percentage of jobs that are filled on time. If you again, you come to me and say my my time to fill is fifty seven days. I'm like I don't care. Like start earlier, right? Uh, but if you come and you say uh, our hiring velocity is ninety percent, which means ninety percent of our jobs are filled on time, uh, I know that hiring velocity translates into business velocity. And I know that if I have a 90% hiring velocity and I decide to invade Belgium, the soldiers are going to be there on the day of the invasion, right? Which really is actually what I care about as a as a uh, as a, um, a CEO. And the third one is quality of hire, which always gets measured like five years later. How did this person perform? In no really good way. We don't really do a good job at bringing this back into our recruiting process. So we introduced the net hiring score, which works like an NPS. Um, so uh, on a scale of one to 10, how much of a fit is this new candidate or this new hire for you? That's a question we asked to the manager 90 days after hire. And on a scale of one to 10, how much of a fit is this new job for you? Is the question we ask um, to uh, to the candidates 90 days after they start or 30 days for contractors. And um, uh, the first time we ran this uh, survey, uh, in a large tech company, 10,000 employees here in Silicon Valley, in 52% of cases, either the the new hire or the manager said, eh, not great. So then we go back to the CEO and said, do you know that 52% of your new hires are basically mediocre hires, like mistakes? They might leave, they might stick around for a couple of years, so it doesn't look bad in the resume, but you're just basically killing your company. And that CEO was underfunding his recruiting um, uh, quite significantly, right? So armed with this scorecard that says, I have a hiring budget, 
that uh, is five um, percent uh, of my uh, new hire salary. I achieve a hiring velocity of seventy-five percent, and I have a net hiring score of positive ten. Now I can go to the CEO as a TA leader, and I can actually have a business conversation. Give me more budget, I can give you more velocity, achieve higher quality. And if we position ourselves uh, in this way, then we are not a cost center. Then it becomes clear to me as an executive that, yeah, if I cut your funding, your velocity and your quality are going to go down. I cannot, like those three are linked. Um, and I think we have to change that um, and stop being measured by cost per hire and time to fill. So that'd be my first change. Now, Once you have that, there's a lot you can do to actually execute and improve your velocity and your net hiring score. To flip the conversation slightly towards technology, we're currently sort of very much in a discovery period for artificial intelligence in recruiting. What should employers be looking for here? And um, do you think there's a, a, a danger of, of, of bias? What, what, what's really going on in this space? Artificial intelligence in recruiting is... Um, um, in a way, it's the latest buzzword. Um, and um, I would uh, say to employers, um, look behind the marketing speech here. Um, and what we're really doing um, is machine learning. So it's um, actually learning vast amounts of data um, to detect patterns and uh, provide a recommendation or a solution that maybe more powerful, more uh, uh, in-depth, more intelligent uh, than uh, a human could provide. The one area where this applies very well um, is uh, uh, matching, matching people to jobs. Like an AI um, can actually read uh, millions of job descriptions and millions of um, resumes uh, and detect patterns and analyze data Uh, such that it can look at a resume and say, well, actually, this could be a good candidate for this job. Or likewise, mm, this actually could be a good job for you, Jerome. And that matching is a data problem. That's the crux of it. Um, other areas of AI, as in I analyze your video interview uh, so I can see if you're smiling and this is I think very dangerous um, or uh, you're going to give me a call and I'm going to hear what you say and respond automatically. These are mostly scripted today. So I think that, you know, everybody uses AI for various things. The one area where it applies is can you read the resume and tell me uh, if this could be a good candidate uh, and vice versa. Can you read this job and tell me if I should apply? So on this side, it actually works. Now, does the AI have bias? Of course, the AI has bias. It's a machine. It, by definition, has a bias. Um, the question is, does it have a higher bias uh, than um, than uh, a human, or does it actually help reduce bias? And uh, last time I checked, or I think rather last time the BBC checked, um, the same resume being sent to a hundred different companies with just a different name on top of the resume. Uh, uh, There was uh, Adam Fenton and Mohamed uh, Aled, something like this. Um, uh, Adam got three times more callbacks than Mohamed. Three times more callbacks. That is the reality of our current human screening. I think an AI can do better than this because guess what? The AI doesn't read the name because it actually doesn't care about the name. 
right? So I think we can totally use AI to reduce bias in organization and make sure that actually people um, that have um, that have different backgrounds uh, are are brought to the surface because the AI will know that this small university in uh, I don't know Czech Republic actually has an amazing user experience design program and that people who graduated from this are actually really talented UX people whereas a recruiter in the UK would look at this like ah just a Czech guy and move the resume aside and actually not know this university the skills associated and the potential that this person might have right so the ai actually has many more data points that are far more rational so i, I strongly encourage the use of uh, uh, ai or ma uh, in matching screening and talent discovery um, and we have a um, We've made big investments on this in, at Smart Recruiters over the last five years now. And of course, we see tens of millions of uh, resumes and hiring processes every year. So the machine can learn well, and it's proving quite effective. Final question. It, it's probably difficult at the moment to make short or even medium term predictions. But what are your, your thoughts on what the talent acquisition marketplace is, is going to look like in, in, in a few years time? If we were having this conversation in, say, four or five years, what, what would we be talking about? I think we would be talking about uh, three things. One, we're going to talk about how did this function finally became a marketing driven function, a marketing tech-enabled function. Um, I think we're just following our peers today in the marketing department. Uh, we started by advertising jobs, like um, putting adverts out. Uh, then someone told us that there is a new phone book called LinkedIn, and we should pick up the phone and smile while we dial and go direct to each candidate. And we're actually realizing that um, a proper marketing campaign uh, with uh, good content, nurture, uh, and, uh, and lead capture uh, works a lot better at scale than just picking up the phone. And what that all comes down to is, well, actually, there's a marketing function. So why don't you start by segmenting your talent between uh, impact and scarcity? And then based on this, have the right marketing strategy and the right uh, budget allocation um, to each of your target group. And then based on this, what's the team you need, the technology you need? Like, I think the, the, the modern TA leader is going to be uh, coming from the marketing function. And they are marketers are pros are at acquiring contacts. Um, so we are going to see a maturation of, of marketing. The second is uh, um, uh, not to go back on, on AI, but I think the, the clear uh, uh, rationalization of data and matching. Um, I think candidate profiles are going to get uh, much more detailed, uh, much better uh, accessible, and at the same time, more secured. Um, the resume, the Word document you have on your computer definitely is going away. LinkedIn's profile is not really detailed enough and, and actually uh, uh, probably not accurate enough to be your replacement resume. Uh, but there is something there that's going to emerge to make data easily available, yet very well controlled. So data privacy will play a big role in that. But ultimately, I think... Um, 
if I am a, a, an employee or an employer um, looking to make a match, it's going to get easier. Not saying it's going to get as easy as renting an apartment uh, in Moscow with a view on the Red, Red Square uh, next week on Airbnb, which you can do in two clicks in any currency in any country, which is actually an interesting way to think about it. But it's going to get pretty damn close. Um, so I think we're going to get the acceleration of sourcing automation there. Good marketing, good sourcing automation. And then the last one is I think we're going to go uh, um, uh, to become way more professional in how we evaluate talent. Uh, I think the, um, you know, the manager who behind closed door does an interview and then uh, um, doesn't give feedback to the recruiter decisions that are full of bias and individual uh, are going to, are going to go away. And we, we're going to definitely get more professional in how we evaluate candidates uh, with proper scorecards, uh, interview scorecards um, that are focused on must achieves and not must haves, right? So must achieve, uh, write great Java code, must have four years of experience. I don't care how many years of experience you have. I actually just need you to write great code. So I think we're, we're seeing people trend towards must achieves uh, and towards a collaborative hiring process. Um, so that's uh, uh, in a nutshell. We're becoming marketers as TA leaders. Uh, the sourcing matching problem is going to get resolved uh, and we're going to uh, work much better with our uh, hiring managers to pick the right candidate and for the candidate to pick the right job. Jerome, thank you very much for talking to me. Thank you for having me, Matt. My thanks to Jerome. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow us on Instagram. You can find the show by searching for Recruiting Future. If you're a Spotify or Pandora user, you could also listen to the show there. You can find all the past episodes at www.rfpodcast.com. On that site, you can subscribe to the mailing list and find out more about working with me. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time, and I hope you'll join me. This is my show.